In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. It is the day after the Browns have lost uh, to the Miami Dolphins. It was probably one of the worst games of the season, if not the worst game of the season. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. All right, Daryl, uh, let's jump into what we learned today, 24 hours after the loss. And uh, the defense didn't show. The offense was nowhere to be found. And a lot of people pointing fingers the day after. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, starting with uh, the defensive side of things, uh, you know, John Johnson basically said that it's it's gut check time for them. That, you know, the, the, the sands of the hourglass starting to run thin. They're running out of time here to get this thing on, on track. Uh, I think that they're out of time, quite frankly. But um, – and he did – say today that he thinks that guys are thinking too much when they're playing instead of just going out and playing like they're focusing too much on uh making mistakes rather than just going out and and getting it done so i I don't know what that's alluding to but um i think that they're just as surprised as we are that they came out of the bye week and had a performance like that but he also said that he's not surprised that the, the defense has not performed in certain areas because it's blatantly obvious when they're sitting watching tape. And, uh, you know, if they can see it, of course, opponents are seeing it too. So it is uh, another not-so-fun Monday uh, at 76 Lugrosa Boulevard as they once again uh, channel their inner Everclear and try and figure out when it all goes wrong again because it certainly did in Miami. All right, so Daryl, let's. Uh, Tyvis Paul brought this up the other day, and I thought this was interesting. He said this yesterday after the game, and he he said it before the game too, when talking about Cincinnati and getting a big win on Monday night and how the team looked, especially defensively, like they were actually having fun. They were enjoying yep. playing the game. They played loose. They you know they did all the right things. And by the way, they had a couple injuries in that game too on D. This game, everybody got real tight, real fast, and they're not having fun. And it's just like. It, what is the missing element? Is that trickle down effect from the head coach or is that just guys that can't communicate? Like they said, the first couple of weeks of the season, it's a communication issue. It's a communication issue. What did you see? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it, it it's a people business, even though it's a game and it's, you know, a, a big time multi-billion dollar uh, business, people matter. And I, I don't know if they have the requisite amount of people skills within that building. I think that that's got to be part of this, right? I mean, because the players, they're not responding. Um, The same problems tend to kind of crop up here over and over and over again. Not so much on the offensive side of the ball, but like on the defensive side. And and usually the worst comes out when you're losing, right? You get a lot of infighting. You get uh, pointing fingers in that. And while we haven't had a lot, like you can tell guys are deliberately, when they're answering questions, they're deliberately trying not to point any fingers, even when they're asked directly, uh, who's to blame for this mess? They really go out of their way not to come across as pointing fingers and and blame and and stuff like that. I mean, JJ3 even said today, you know, there's no bickering going on behind the scenes, hmm. which again, when the losses start piling up, that's usually what starts to happen is there starts to be a lot of bickering and blame going on. So uh, there's, they continue to say the right things in that regard. I don't know if those that's necessarily true, um, because I, I mean, 
they're getting outscored in every quarter, but the, but the uh, first, right. Um, and they're uh, getting gashed on the ground. The middle of the defense is soft as Charmin. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's, I mean, it's not hard to see where the problems are, right? And, you know, any any coach who watches, watches that film, I mean, look, they spent the whole week trying to limit Tyreek Hill and prevent him from going off on them, right? Correct. And and while they were able to contain that, what happened? You know, the, Miami ended up scoring, scoring or having guys, five different guys score touchdowns for them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they put up almost 500 yards in total offense, nearly uh, you know 190 plus on the ground. So um, they 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 can't figure it out when they do figure. See, and here's the other thing, too. I think Monday night had a lot to do with that. They're in prime time. Everybody's watching. It was their chance to be in the spotlight and show off and show out, wear the costumes in and out of the stadium and all those things, right? So they're motivated. And so, but that's a problem, Daryl. Oh, that's, I, I, I mean, I, that's ridiculous. I, I don't disagree. I mean, we were here now. Uh, you know, there's music going, you know, they're playing music before the game on Halloween and having fun in the locker room and stuff like that. And like, I don't know, like, I don't know Kevin Stefanski personally, mm-hmm. but all of my interactions with him have clearly been robotic. Even when I specifically say, Hey man, just trying to loosen you up, trying to have fun with you. It's, it's sports, it's football. It's, it, it's not life and death here. Right. Right. And he, and he just, I know, I know. And that that does like and just watch his post game victory celebrations. Right? Well, very it's... very robotic. Like and I and 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 it's not personal. We'll make that clear. Like I'm not right. personally attacking him. Mm-hmm. But he just he presents himself in a very robotic way. And and I and again, I, I don't know how you know the players say really great things about him. Uh, behind the scenes, right? As far as the type of guy he is and, and and things like that. But his personality does not come across. Now, Bill Belichick's personality never comes across and he's won six Super Bowls. He, but he, it, that is not his personality that you see when he does a press conference. There's no, I mean, I've, I, I've been lucky enough to do one-on-ones with him and, right. you know, and when you get him in that setting and if he trusts you, he's going to talk to you and he's going to help you. And, and and what's interesting with Bill Belichick is, is that he educates you when you're sitting right. there. And if you go into the conversation looking to learn, you will learn if you talk right. to him. And I mean, it's been, you know, a while since I talked to him one-on-one, but you know, I think that's a, I, he, here's the point. I, there was a question at the end of the press conference today that asked him, you know, Hey, you made adjustments. What were they and what went wrong? And he danced around it like it was nobody's business. The whole world watched as his defense got just gashed up and down. And I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't know that you're necessarily calling out everybody, but I don't think there's anything wrong with the head coach coming out and saying, you know what? We tried this. It just didn't work. And we didn't have the answer. And it's not, you're not saying I don't have the talent. I don't have this. I don't have that. But I think people want to hear him say, okay, this is on me. And then go in and tell us why it was on him right. or what they, you know, to sit there every week after a loss six times now, well, it's on the players, it's on the coaches, it's on all of us. Okay. That's right. It is. It's on all of you. But I think if you want to educate your fan base and continue to have respect 
you know, and have people want to say, you know what? No, I don't want that guy getting fired. I don't, I'm tired of head coaches getting changed. Then just maybe explain it a little bit more. I'm not asking you for a copy of the playbook, but what I am saying is, you know what? We decided we were going to put five guys in the box. We should have put six guys in the box. Uh, We're going to have to refigure this thing out and we got it. Just tell the fans something rather than just, well, it's on us. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, all we, it's funny when I, you know, every occasionally I'll like look at the mentions and stuff like that. And, 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 you know, fans are getting on the media for not getting anything out of them. And it's like, well, all we can do is ask the questions. We can control what questions get asked, but can't control the responses. And that's, I think part of their strategy, you know, it's part of their media PR strategy. You know, he, he does answer questions. He get, he get, he gives you a little meat, so to speak. Uh, raw meat but there's no depth to the raw meat if that makes sense no it, no one's under it, I mean, like, he's, you know what i'm saying it, it's yes. not like he sits up there like bill belichick does and says yes no, no on the cincinnati yes. yeah on it. he doesn't do that like he gives you answers to your questions without actually giving you the answer to your questions which that I mean, that's a lot of skill. I mean, it, it takes talent to be able to do uh, that. You know, AVP's got us doing this and right. in um, our rooms. And, and I understand part and... of it, it, you know, you don't want to give too much away. I get that too. As far as, you know, opponent, because you know, I know teams watch media availabilities. Oh, for sure. Okay. I mean, they have interns or personnel within their buildings and their jobs are to watch media availabilities to see if a coach slips up and or a player slips up and gives – you know, too much away. So I understand why he answers the questions the way he does. I think that where fans get frustrated is it's the same answer every week. So maybe mix mix up the vague answers. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. maybe this week use this vague answer and next week have a different vague answer. All right, Daryl, let's do this. Let's take a quick time out. We'll come back. I've got a really good story for you along those lines about talking to the media and not talking to the media. We'll do that. We also, I'm looking forward to, you've got a top 10 that we're going to do here that I'm very excited about. Uh, and we'll do that in a second. Plus we're going to answer some of your mailbag questions too. So it's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast back right after this. It's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland brought to you locally by smiley one heating, cooling and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. We always use Smiley One. That's a great place to go. All right, so I want to pick up on where we left off in the first segment, and then I want to tell you, uh, then I want to hear your top 10 names. But this is a great story that we heard last night, uh, or last night, last week. Frank Stams was on the show. I don't know if you heard the story. This is unbelievable. Frank Stams is playing for the Rams, and he's in Los Angeles. And the Browns are looking at him, trying to figure out if there's a way to get him to come to Cleveland. He's playing in a game. He walks off the field. It must have been during training camp. And during training camp, he's walking off. And you know how reporters start talking. And he says, this guy comes over and grabs me. And he starts asking me a million questions. And they're not like regular football type questions like, hey, what's it like to be a linebacker? And, you know, what's the scheme you're using? The guy was asking like psychological questions to him. And he was a reporter. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so he didn't think anything of it. And they, you know, they weren't, it wasn't a big deal, but he thought, wow, these are some really weird questions. He goes back in the locker room. He gets a call from his agent later that night. And they were like, Hey, Frank Cleveland wants you. And he was like, are you serious? I get a chance to come home. The guy played for St. B, you know, he played for Notre Dame. So it was just, he was like, yeah, yeah. Whatever it takes. Can I go back to Cleveland? I'd love to. 
And he goes, okay, let me see what we can do here. So Bill Belichick brings Frank Stamps back to Cleveland. They trade for him and they bring him back. And he goes, hey, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come here. This is an opportunity of a lifetime to let me play for the Cleveland Browns, my hometown team. Right. And Belichick says to him, yeah, that's that's cool. He goes, hey, I, I, I want to show you something. And he goes, what? He goes, you see that guy over there? He goes, you recognize him? He goes, nah, I got, I have no idea. Guy walks over to him and he goes, hey, George Kokinas, nice to meet you again. And he goes, what do you mean again? He goes, yeah, last week I was in Los Angeles. I was posing as a reporter. And I was psych- I was seeing what you were all about before we traded for you. Is that that is that not Bill Belichick? Is that, that is, unbelievable? Isn't that a that, great story? That is the George Kokina story that we're allowed to tell. That is correct. You're right. You are 100 percent right. All right, Daryl, fire away. Give me some of these names. So uh, we've been uh, talking behind the scenes uh, about the name of the podcast quite a bit, right? Right, and, and we're not happy so- that Buffalo, who we play this week is now has it's always game day in Buffalo and Cincinnati now has it's always game day in Cincinnati because those guys couldn't come up with an original idea nothing against probably the folks that are hosting those shows and I'm sure it's whoever their program director was who's like oh Poobah thinks this is a good idea maybe we should call them all it's all game day I think there's I think there's like six of them now or something no please don't tell me there are six I've 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 lost count there's so many so All right. I have the top 10 rejected new It's Always Game Day in Cleveland podcast names. Here we go. Oh, so these are possibilities for the future. Yes, but they've been rejected. We can't use them. Oh, okay. We can't use them. Okay. Uh, We've we've already been told no. Okay. Okay, good. Okay, good. (laughs) Our crack staff is sitting there. Yes, number 10. Off-season champions. (laughs) Off-season champions. A no No, that didn't make the cut, huh? Did not make the cut. Number nine, Hash Browns. That's not bad. Did I don't not think that's make a bad the cut, idea. though. If it came with ham and eggs, we'd be good. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Orange, Brown, and Torture. <laughs> what were you thinking also, when you thought of that one? Yes. Did not make the cut. Wow, I thought uh, it had I was thinking 39-17 uh, <laughs> at the time. Thank you, Miami. Uh, number seven, doggone it. Dog Someone's going to steal that one. Someone is going to use that one somewhere down the road. Again, these are top 10 uh, rejected. rejected. It's yes. always game day in Cleveland, Browns podcast names. Number okay. six, Brown and Down. What were you thinking when you were doing these names? Seriously, you had nothing to do, and you're like, I'm just going to sit around and come up with some really, really bad names for the podcast? Also could go down in brown. How about just straight brown? Uh, here's a little brown. How about of... brown on the ground? <laughs> we fall in and can't get up. Yes. Um, <clears throat> a little takeoff of how the West was won, right? Yes, yes. How losing is fun. <laughs> that is your worst one so far. Oh, trust me. Some of these are. How many more do we have left? Is this this 100 or 10? Number four. Number four rejected. It's always game day in Cleveland. uh, Podcast name shot down. Waiting since 64. Okay. That's, but that's legit. You probably, someone's going to do that. Someone will steal that idea. That's a stolen idea. Uh, Number three, cardiac arrest. Oh, bro. Would not go over well, right? Especially for Uh, the kids. Yeah. Uh, number two, mathematically alive. Oh, I thought of it the other way. I'm with such a negative attitude. I thought you were going to say mathematically eliminated. No, mathematically alive. 
Okay. And the number one rejected podcast name for us. Yeah. It's always depressing in Cleveland. Daryl, you have outdone yourself. Uh, you've done a lot of work on this show, and by far, this is the worst work you've done so far. <laughs> Take a victory and, lap. And thank you for completely understanding the bit. I dipped into the well of so bad, it's good. That's the well I dipped into. Unlike the Browns, who are just so bad, they're bad. I Correct. So bad, it's good. So it's so bad that Meredith normally probably would have popped in on this, but since she's been a little bit under the weather, she probably didn't even want to hop in on this. Yeah, it was I, that bad? I, she I doesn't want to be I, I affiliated I with this her. in any way, shape, or form. But I think waiting since '64, actually, that was a legit one. Like that one. I mean, that's a semi-legit. Same with mathematically alive. I mean, the Browns are still mathematically alive right now. They're on the bubble, according to NFL.com, at three and six. Yeah, but what's the percentage? Like six? Um, it's got to be five or six right now. Because it was I, eight. I, I think it was eight. And then it was 15 after they beat Cincinnati. And had they won last week, this week, and next week, it would have been 74%, according to 538, if you go back and look at the numbers from last week. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't. And it was probably the most embarrassing thing. I think that was the the biggest tone of our show today was just how people are like, how could you play that bad with all that time off and be so flat and, like, have no answer and not be able to stop the run? And and just, is Miami that good? And that's the other question, because if you look at them against some of the teams the Browns have already played, you're like, ah, is that, what team are we watching? Or are well, they just getting better every week? You know, I mean, they do, they do have two of the top five wide receivers in the league. They didn't need them, but they do have them. What is startling to me when I watch the National Football League, which does I don't include the Browns in this, okay, is how every other team in the league can use their talent and their skill guys, mm-hmm. and those players are great. And when the Browns get great players, it's a struggle bus every week to use their guys, right? Mm-hmm. We're always complaining about Nick Chubb's use and Kareem Hunt's use and Amari Cooper's use. And, you know, uh, on the you know defensive side, you know, why can't they free up Miles Garrett more? You know, I just it it's befuddling to me when I consistently watch around the league. Coaches have no problem. Getting the ball to their playmakers and putting their guys in positions to be successful. And then I watch the Browns. And at times it's like I'm watching a different sport. And I it just it and it it's unfortunate, you know, because I really thought with Stefanski here that tide was turning. And now they're they're just back to doing what they've they've always done. And that is they're they're blowing leads. They're not playing complete games. One week the offense is on, but the defense isn't. When the you know the the defense has been on, I had a game where the defense was on, but the offense wasn't. The offense has played above expectation this year. I mean, it it really is mind numbing how consistently bad the Browns are, and how now I am convinced that 2020 was the outlier. 2020 was the exception to the rule. It wasn't going to be the new norm that we saw when they won 11 and five it, that was the exception to the rule. 
um, because the, the Browns are just basically back to being what they've always been in this expansion era. And that is losing. They're three and six. They are uh, six and 11 over their last 17 games. So I think that's dating back to last year. I think that's a fair sample size. And Kevin Stefanski, since starting off that blistering 14 and six, right? We were already to build the statues outside of First Energy Stadium. They were, you know, when they went three and one to start the following season coming off the playoff year, right? They won the right. three straight after losing uh, at Kansas City. We're all ready to build the statues. And then just everything falls apart. And he's eight and 14 since that point. Hmm. So yeah, is, I hear is, you. I it feels is, that way. No, is I, it a coaching I, thing? Is it a culture thing? Is it the building? Do people just get stupid when they arrive in the building and start drinking the water or using the restrooms or eating the food or the whatever? Are nice. I will say that they're nice. I, I just, I, I don't know because they've had a lot of really good people go through that building. Brian Dable, look at what he's doing with the, the New York football giants right now. Kyle Shanahan, the success that he had uh, with the, the San Francisco 49ers who quite frankly, couldn't wait to get the hell out of here because Johnny football got shoved on him. Right. Uh, and let's I, not forget who's running the, the Vikings right now. Yeah, and 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 yeah, Kwesi goes up to uh, Minnesota, and all of a sudden, look, looky, looky here, looky here, and oh joy! The and by team the way, we just beat, beat the Bills here. The team that they just beat in overtime—that's who the Brownies get next week. Great. All right, let's let's do this. Let's take another time out, and then we're going to open up the mailbag. You're listening to "It's Always Game Day in Cleveland." Back after this. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. We love having you on board. Also, if you want to be a part of the show, like the next couple of people who we're going to talk about, um, all you have to do is go to social media, go to Twitter or go to Instagram at game day CLE and send us a mailbag question as we do our first ever uh, as we commemorate. What is this? Our 97th show? Feels Something like, like that. Yeah. Uh, so we have our first ever mailbag segment. So we're very excited about this. Daryl, are you prepared? I, I am. Uh, first, I'll say it, it's Joe G. Didn't start the mailbag off great. He just said, I'm out of questions, Daryl. Just tired and disappointed. Not exactly what we were looking for there, but I just want to acknowledge that he did take the time to make so, a contribution. And I well, and I totally get it. Because by the time this mailbag is over, we may be out of answers. That, that, is, a, that is a distinct, distinct possibility. So, Daryl... Um, and by the way, that's kind of, I don't know if that's part of the rules of the game. That's like somebody who says the Guardians won. Um, how does that work? The, the Guardians won three to six. You know, you know, you never say that. They won six to three, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't win three to six. Okay, here we go. Ready? Uh, first question is from, let's do this. Well, the first question is from Mark Klein. Mark Klein. Uh, Daryl, here we go. We need to have two running backs in the backfield and delegate Kevin Stefanski to offensive coordinator responsibilities. I think he has too much on his plate. It's time for Woods and special teams to be reevaluated. He needs help with the second half adjustments as well. What say you? Well, uh, the numbers don't lie when you talk about uh, the Browns quarter to quarter performance. They win the first quarter and then second, third, and the fourth quarter is actually their worst quarter. Um, and that's why I hesitate to jump on the let's hurry up and fire Kevin Stefanski train because he has Jacoby Brissett playing above expectations. The offense, I think, overall uh, has played above expectations. So he's doing something right here, okay? Um, the issues are with special teams and with the defense. And again, it's easy to sit here and say, fire Mike Prefer, 
fire Joe Woods, but that doesn't really solve your problem right now. So any changes that may or may not happen, I don't see taking place until January when the season is over. Um, so uh, I think Kevin Stefanski doesn't need to uh, be relegated to just the offense. I think he needs to get more involved in the defense and in the special teams. All right, Daryl, your your turn. Um. All right, this is from Scotty Loves Clee. Andy, how can the Browns come off a bye and look like that? Well, I can answer that one pretty simple. It's called being unprepared and flat walking into a game, understanding exactly what you had to do. <clears throat> I don't think they were ready. I think they got outplayed. I think they got outcoached, and I think that they didn't they didn't take the game seriously. I don't know if they thought because they beat the Cincinnati Bengals uh, a week before that everyone was now suddenly going to take them seriously, and we knew that Miami was taking them seriously. Their coach said it during the week. They're like, Cleveland can beat any team when they want to. When they want to, I think, though, is a big part of it. And, you know, they just weren't ready by any means. And I think the most frustrating part of that to look like that, and when you say that, is that it felt like the guys quit at the end of the game. Now, I don't know if they had just given up because it, they knew they were down by more than 16, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter at all. In, in fact, I thought it was interesting at the end of the first half that Miami still had two timeouts. The Browns were going backwards on their last drive. And Miami actually spared them because they probably could have burned both timeouts and got the ball back with just a few seconds to go in the first half and it kicked a field goal because the Browns were in horrible field position. So, I, th I mean, that's bad coaching right there, and I'm still trying to figure out how a team could look that bad when they look so good just, you know, two weeks before. Your turn. Um, this is from, uh, Brown's commenter at commenter Brown's. Oh, wait, it's uh, my turn to ask you a question. Yeah. I'll ask you. Okay. Okay. From Brown's commenter. Here we go. Yeah. Commenter Brown's. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So here it is. Here's the question. How do you project out the rest of the year? And do we see a coach get fired before year's end? Uh, I don't think that there's anyone getting fired before the end of the season. Uh, number one, number two. I'm looking at it right now. I think I'm going to say the Browns go four and four over the final eight games. And that has them with a seven and 10 finish. So they will be a game worse than they were a year ago. Cause they finished eight and nine last year. Remember? So right. I've got them finishing seven and 10, but in order to do that, they've got to win. They got to split the final eight and go four and four. And keep in mind now, they have lost five of six. So mm. that's, yeah, that's, that's, could be tough to do, but that's the Deshaun factor as well. So, okay. All right. Your turn. Um, this is from Jeff. Okay. 8898. If after every loss, Kevin states he needs to get better, the players need to get better, the coaches need to get better, but they don't get better, when does it stop and what are the consequences? Well, eventually you're going to lose your job. I mean, we've got a owner here that used to have the quickest uh, trigger in all the NFL. I mean, he was ready to fire a guy after one season if he thinks he can get better. He Here's the issue I'm having right now with this whole let's fire, let's not fire thing. It's that if you think about it, okay, when Baker Mayfield actually was playing well and the team was, what, one game from uh, the AFC Championship, right? They were basically 
four quarters and a play away from getting to the Super Bowl. And for some reason, the team really decided to blow everything up and go into a different direction. Think about it. One play and four quarters away from getting to the Super Bowl, and they decided to go in a different direction. And I don't understand what the consequences are anymore for the Haslam group. Like, they've redefined themselves so many times. I do think this, that if they decide that the, that this isn't going to work with Kevin Stefanski, it's going to shake out the whole thing. Paul DePodesta's got to go at that point then, too, because this is really Paul's baby, if you think about it, because Paul was the one that really wanted Kevin Stefanski. I'm not in any hurry to fire Kevin Stefanski. I don't know that what they're doing is wrong. They just are missing a lot of chemistry on this. And I think they have the talent. Andrew Barry's going to have to draft better, and he's going and he's going to have about a year to figure this thing out. I think he gets one more draft. I still think that they're all on; they all have a pass because of Deshaun Watson, and that pass is going to be pretty quick next year if they come out and they don't and they're not successful and they spend more money. Let's say they decide to go out and they go get some free agents to to shore up what they need on the defensive line, or you know, they bring in another wide receiver and and that's what they should do. I mean, right off the top of my head, that's the first thing I started thinking about. Um, so I, I, I don't think, I think the consequences are going to come next year after Deshaun Watson has a chance to establish himself. And I don't think they'll happen this year. Cause I think if you think Deshaun Watson is going to be a strong quarterback for the rest of the year, I, I don't know how you can think that he hasn't played in two years. Mm-hmm. You want to add to that? Or you want me to ask you? Yeah. That? Well, I mean, look, it, 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 Kevin Stefanski and this football team have regressed from 2020. Okay. Mm-hmm. The whole point of them going four and 44 was for them to have sustained success. And we thought that's what we were getting after that playoff season. And then Baker Mayfield got hurt. All kinds of stuff happened behind the scenes with Baker. And they decided he's not the guy to be the face of the franchise. And they're not going to get where they want, or they're not, he's not going to take them where they are hoping to get, which is why they took all the heat that they did in the offseason and acquired Deshaun Watson and all the baggage that he brought uh, with him. So, um, yeah, I, I just I look at the regression, and if I'm the Haslam's, and I look at all the money that I've spent, I, I just I honestly don't know how they can look people in the in, in the face and say, "We believe in we believe in this. We we really believe in these people." even though they've made the team worse in the last two years. I just, that, that's just where I come out on it. And again, I'm not advocating for firing anyone. I'm just objectively looking at the situation and putting myself in the Haslam shoes. You know, I hear you. No, and, I totally and, and, the Browns are one of the biggest cash spenders in the national football league. Keep that in mind. They spent a ton of cash when they went four and 44, they were still spending money. They were basically remember they was it sixteen million dollars for Brock Osweiler's uh, contract to get a second round pick. And by the way, he should have started for us. And, and by the way, he should have been. That our was a Paul DePodesta strategy. Hey, we're, you know, similar to what the Cavs historically had had done, right? We'll take on some bad contracts to get some more draft picks and things like that. We'll basically buy some extra picks. So, right, yeah, all right. Um, Last one more here. Let, um, let's do the let's wrap it up on Carl and Prescott. He's got two good questions. Carl and Prescott. You asked me the first one. I'm going to ask you the second one. You All see right, it? I got to find him. I'll, you want me to ask it? I got, I'm both. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, here go we go. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, Carl and Prescott says, <laughs> excuse me, this coaching staff is a joke. Delpit gets a one play suspension. What did that prove? <laughs> I thought the same thing. I have no idea. 
and and we and and this is to our earlier conversation today where we asked Kevin St- again all we can do is ask the questions we asked Kevin Stefanski about it and he said nothing he just said team issue handled keeping it that way and again I respect that it, it, it's a professional way of doing things keeping the dirty laundry in the in the washer so to speak and not hanging it out for everyone um uh, to hear uh so i respect that but yeah I, I i don't know what the hell one play having a guy sit out for one play what that you didn't get to start oh, i, I just deal. i don't know what that accomplished now that, i didn't mean series anything. or two series or three series or, or a quarter something like that i think that or a game like they did with perry and winfrey who once again was in at like i don't know I just thought that that was a big old fat waste of time, to be perfectly honest. All right, Daryl. One, one game to be, yeah. for it to be disciplinary. One play? One play? What, yeah. What? I don't, so, all right, last question. Really Carl showed him, Kevin. Really showed him. Yeah, you did. He, I'm sure he learned his lesson. Here's the press, uh, the question of the week, and this is it. All right, and it's still from Carl. Did Jeff Phelps party in South Beach this weekend? <laughs> I'll let you answer that one at home because oh. The answer is no. Jeff had no. I'm surprised Jeff had clothes on this trip because he got the call. I think the team plane left at 1130 on Saturday um, and he got the call at 1030 that he was going to Miami. Wow. He seriously grabbed all of his stuff. Luckily, had some he had some bronze notes that he had left over from a couple weeks ago to fill out his charts and how to do it. And I think he got there, got on the plane, ate dinner, did all of his work and was was prepping until the second he got on the air. So. Uh, Jeff really under short notice did a good job and I'm proud of him. And he, I thought he did a great job. So Daryl, that's it. We're done. See you later, my man. It was fun. It was, I, we need more, uh, more comedy. Cause I think that's, what's going to be for the rest of the season for our producer, Meredith Kane, who did an outstanding job today as well. Thank you very much for listening to it's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, well then subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to talk to us, Again, in one of our future mailbag segments, all you have to do is hit us up on social media at Game Day CLE. It's always Game Day in Cleveland.